Romans 12, for just a moment. Transformation. Transformation. Metamorphosis. We spent 2016 understanding that from a lot of different angles, a lot of different perspectives, and lo and behold, it's 2017 and we're still being transformed. And uh, we're carrying it over from Christmas Eve into January 1st and into today. I kind of knew in the cycle of the calendar and people traveling and being out of town, kind of January in, in the world of church is a regrouping. And so today, we're just going to kind of regroup a little bit. And we're going to move forward just a tad in this understanding of transformation as it relates to, to a calendar year beginning. And specifically, we're, we're going to look at what is the goal, right? If, how many of you, survey says, how many of you want to be transformed, right? Next question is why? What's the goal, right? And, and how are you going to do that? What, what practical ways can, can we help you do that? Can the scripture speak to being transformed? And that's what we're trying to do. We found it extremely practical. I have been blessed. I just got to tell you, I mean, we're eight days into January. And uh, the things I've heard from many of you about applying what you heard, even last Sunday, it was, it's just wonderful. You, you're, you're listening and, and your, your, your antenna are up when, you're, when we break the huddle, so to speak, here, and you go out, and, and you're doing it. And God's already transforming you. And some of you, quite honestly, are already doing different things than you did in 2016. You're already implementing. You're already being transformed by the doing and by obedience to the Holy Spirit to what God is prompting you to do. And that's awesome. So I want to affirm you. Thank you for sharing uh, what God has put on your heart to already be doing. We had a great um, Bible study and time over at the gardens to kick off the year. And uh, man, God's just doing some wonderful things. And, and my prayer for us through what we're looking at in January, it'll just kind of launch us off in a real practical way to help us kind of gather. We're not in a hurry around here. Uh, we just kind of move forward at God's pace, okay? So Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, right? So we saw that that central to transformation is the renewing of our mind, And the challenging part in the renewing of our mind is sometimes we have to identify how our mind has been conformed to the world previously. And maybe even is still conformed. Maybe we still carry over some old mindsets that we've brought with us into our walk with Jesus. And our challenge in transformation is, one, identifying and and recognizing, oh man, I'm still thinking the same way. And not just stopping there, but after you recognize it, to do something about it. To do something about it. To put off the old, as Scripture says, and to put on the new. And specifically, regarding transformation as we're launching off 2017, there's two areas of, are we conformed to the world still? And, and how do we do this? And, and the first one is, like I said before, what's your motivation for transformation? Right? Why? What's your goal? And we talked a little bit last Sunday that 
for me, I don't know about you, but sometimes I make, you know, I use 2017. I like to use it. Just catch breath. You can make change and decisions anytime, but I like the calendar year. And, and sometimes I make resolutions and, and with the best of intentions. Anyone ever make a resolution any time of the year? Best of intentions. All right. And I think, what was it, Susan? Yours lasted, what, two seconds or something like that, right? That's all right. Varying degrees of success, right? But sometimes, I know for me, my resolutions with my best of intentions fizzle because ultimately the goal was self-centered. The goal was just something all about me, right? And, and, and as I make progress, I can make some initial progress, but if it's just about me, then I have a lot of wiggle room to move. It can become a sliding scale. And, and, and usually it happens after I make some progress and then it gets really tough and then uncomfortable. And it's funny how when it gets tough and uncomfortable, because it's all about me, I can just kind of go right about here. And before I know it, I just call it good. I just call it good. Right? And so, so sometimes we have to examine our motive. If, if you want to be transformed in 2017, Why? Who or what is the goal? Right? And, and, and it's tough. It's tough because we can couch it in, in good ways. Nothing wrong with wanting a better diet. Nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight. Nothing wrong with wanting to handle my money better or, or anything like that. Nothing necessarily wrong with these good things. But the deeper question is why? Right? I remember years ago, there was a book that came out. Uh, by Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Some of you may have read that, right? And one of his chapters was begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. It's like before you start on a journey, get, what's the end goal? And then you work back way, backwards to make a plan to achieve the end. But what happens if the end isn't real clear? Then the journey isn't real clear and you can kind of just start with the best of intentions. It's like, you know, Bill going on a, 500-mile hike, but kind of not having a plan of where he's ending up. Where are you going? I don't know. Somewhere there. How are you going to know when you get there? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just doing it. Right? And, and, and so it's important, even as a believer, even if in your walk with Jesus, what, what's the end? What's the end game? What's the goal? And we saw, right, turn to Titus. Okay, so we're going to start in Titus. This is where we ended last week. But this gave us real clarity as to what our goal is. What's the ultimate goal? Titus 2. Titus 2, verse 9. Right? A great example of transformation in horrific, challenging circumstances. See, sometimes, I don't know about you, how many of you sometimes pray for God to just take away stuff? Meaning like, take away the trial, take away the struggle, take away the pain. Take, Lord, take this away. Lord, take this away. Lord, change my circumstance. Lord, make my circumstance better. When really, He wants to transform you and use your transformation where you are. Remember, Apostle Paul three times has a thorn. Three times he says, Lord, take it away, take it away, take it away. And three times God's like, nope. Because God had a plan. 
My grace is sufficient. When you are weak, then I am strong. So maybe part of our transformation this year, guys, is to catch ourselves saying, Lord, do I emphasize you taking away things or transforming me in the midst of things? That could be a radical difference right then and there. See, I don't know what you're going through and you don't know what I'm going through, but regardless of what we're going through, we can be transformed in the middle of it. Amen? Okay, so sometimes we got to be real careful. Our prayer life and our relationship with Jesus can be all about asking him to take away the bad stuff. Nothing wrong. I mean, we can pray about that, but be careful that you're waiting for transformation to happen in good circumstances. When really transformation happens when you are stressed and you are to your wits end and you throw your hands up. Anyone ever just struggle with something? And finally, finally, you're like, okay, here, take it. Anyone? And when you get there, what happens? Transformation, surrender, yieldedness, faith. So the transformation happens in the midst of. And this is a great example. Look at Titus 2, 9 and 10. He says, teach slaves. Okay, if you know, slaves. That word right there, slaves. Horrific, horrific living conditions. Right? Property can be disposed of at will. No rights. Slaves. Right? Slaves are getting saved. So he's talking to believing slaves. And look what he says. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. To try to please them. Not to talk back to them. And not to steal from them. But to show that they can be fully trusted. Woo! You want to talk about a mind renewal... You want to talk about going against the flow. You want to talk about standing out like a sore thumb amidst all the other slaves. You get what I'm saying? He is calling them to be transformed right where they are. To take their eyes off of the circumstance and off, off of their master, whether he's a good master or a harsh master, and to do your fulfill your, your job, if you want to call it, as a slave, as unto the Lord. Take your eyes off the circumstance. Take your eyes off the people. Take your eyes off of you and do it as unto the Lord. Be transformed in the system. Right? Why? Look at this. Look at 10. And not to steal from them, but to show that... Here we go. So that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior. What? Attractive. Adorn is the word. Ornament, right? I put it in your notes. Cosmeo. It's where we get the word cosmetic. Why do you put cosmetics on? To enhance your beauty, right? I got a house full of females. I am well versed in the cosmeo that is available out there. I have been in Ulta. I have been in all kinds of these stores. What's that for? What do you use that for? I asked my wife last week, how long does one of those lipstick things even last? Cosmeo! What is the end game of cosmetics? Enhance! Attractiveness! Amen? Right? So, transformation, beginning with the end in mind, what is the goal? Adorn... Make the gospel what? More attractive. 
adorned. We had that big Christmas tree here last week, right? All these ornaments. And the word picture for us is your life and my life, collectively, we are ornaments on the gospel tree. That should make everyone in this valley drawn to it. Drawn to it. Josh, remember the years of your house? Josh's house, when we first got here, had a reputation on the east end. Of like the house you had to go see. Lights all over the roof and inflatables. I don't know what your electric bill was, bro, for that. But it was the crazy east end house. And cars would just come through the cul-de-sac, right? Because it was so attractive... Word got out to the valley, hey, there's this house on the east end behind the bowling alley. You've got to go look, right? How long did it take you to set that up? A couple of days, right? A couple of days, it goes up for Christmas season, and it's designed to be attractive. So well done, so well done. And we would go by, right? So ornaments are designed to enhance, to make people want to come and look. That's what he's saying to these slaves. To these slaves in horrific life conditions. Slaves. Not to us in 2017 in comfortable SoCal. He's saying, hey, slaves, you can make the gospel attractive by how you live in your horrific conditions. Isn't that crazy? It's kind of convicting to me, too. Kind of makes me, oh, really? What do I whining about? What do I complain about? These slaves are being called to transform and do it as unto the Lord in conditions that many of us will never, ever, ever have to experience. Right? And, and the whole point, the whole goal is to adorn, to be ornaments for the gospel. That's the goal. So maybe as you pray about why you're going to do what you're going to do in 2017? Maybe the prayer is, Lord, how can my life adorn you? And I'm, I'm going to speak kind of testimonial here. If you do that, be careful because he's going to start to show you. I sat down one day and I, and I had my little um, iPad mini out and I put it on notes and I put adorn the gospel in 2017 and I sat there and I said, Lord, can you show me areas of my life where I can adorn you better? Oop. Okay. Oh, that too? And I'm writing them down and I'm pushing the return. That bullet list got this big. I'm like, whoa. And it wasn't bad stuff. It was stuff that was already kind of going well, but I could do better to adorn him better. So he gave me this list and it's not a guilt thing. It's just like, oh, sweet, okay. Thank you. Because sometimes we need to take the time or we have to have a trusted brother or sister speak truth to us. Speak truth to us about how we can better adorn. Hey, Bill. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? We have had in the last month, because of this season that we're in as a church and where we're believing God is moving us to, you know what? We have had one of the most challenging months as a leadership team as we have sought the Lord of how to do this better. And he's been real clear. And for us, it's been like, ugh, but Lord, look at all the people coming and, and all the new people that love and that we love seeing and are serving and are, look at the worship, it's so much better and look at, look at the well. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, 
Here's how you can do it better. To continue to adorn better. See, we're not going to the well for our sake. Amen? We're not going to the well so OVCF can be the biggest, baddest church in the valley. Let me just be clear. We are going to the well, 1290 East Grand, so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be adorned. Period. Amen? It's a bigger facility. There's a lot more potential use for it. All the bells and whistles of, of lights and better sound. and You might have a camera and live stream. All of it is simply designed to adorn the gospel. The minute it becomes about us, we've lost it. The minute it becomes about us and look at us and come to us and we're the best us, if we go there, we are in deep trouble. We've lost our way. We've lost our way. So even as a church, we seek the Lord. Lord, how do we do this better? What's, what are we doing fine? What are we doing okay? Lord, where have we dropped the ball? Unknowingly. And the same principles apply even in your life and in my life. Lord, what's good? Lord, what's... what's okay. Okay. What... Maybe inadvertently in the busyness of life, where have I dropped the ball? It could be relationally. It could be, I don't know. That's where you seek the Lord and you let Him speak truthfully to you. To what? Adorn Him. Amen? It's not about me and it's not about us. It is all about adorning Jesus. That your life and this life as a church makes Jesus attractive. Amen? We just want to make Jesus attractive. That's why we do what we do. So as you launch off, first renewing of the mind, what's your goal? What's your purpose? Is it to adorn, to ornament the gospel? Last Sunday as you left, I made these available and they, we made more. We did this before. Now, if you would like, I encourage you, if you weren't here last Sunday, take one of these. It's an ornament and it has Titus 2, 9, and 10 on it. Take one and put it out. Don't put it away with your Christmas decor. Keep it out because every day it's a reminder. Lord, today I want to be an ornament. I want to adorn. I want to make the gospel attractive through my life. So we have, there'll be someone at each door. Take one. If you know someone that might appreciate it, you can take one and hand it off. Many of you took them and we decided to make more and just make them available. It's just a tangible reminder. I have one on my desk. In my office, it just reminds me, even as a pastor, hey, pastor, or you think it's all about you, it ain't. Even my role here, it's about adorning the gospel. Adorning the gospel. Every church service is about adorning the gospel. Every time we're together, every women's Bible study, it's not just about the women, it's about adorning the gospel. You see what I'm saying? But be very careful because we live in a society that is very self-help, self-oriented. Barnes & Noble is filled with books that are self-help. Nothing necessarily wrong with it unless the end game is self. Then you can get kind of twisted up in knots. So let's focus. Okay, moving forward. The end game here, for always, will be to adorn the gospel. Amen? Right? And so, that, and then we've been talking about the biblical view of time. Time, right? Came across this uh, 
this survey, and it was really interesting. It said that about 94% of people, they surveyed, right, said 94% of people are just enduring today and living for tomorrow. A survey asked, hey, what do you have to live for? 94% of the people said they were just enduring today and living for tomorrow. Wow. So is that, is that kind of what we do as Christians? Is that how we work? Because if we're not careful, we can say a prayer, put our faith in Jesus, and it can be sincere. But if we're not careful, if we don't understand transformation, and we don't understand the biblical concept of time, here's what some believers can get into. Lord Jesus, I trust you. I put my faith in you. And you do. You do. Honestly, I'm not mocking that. It's sincere. And you get saved, and you become a child of God, and you're born again. But if you don't understand the biblical teaching on time, what happens is, okay, going to heaven. Now I just got to endure. I got to pick up my cross. And I just got to follow Jesus. Is that what we're called to do? Even in the church? Are we called to just endure today and live to tomorrow, live for tomorrow? Right, because Jesus says in John 10, 10, I have come that that they may have life and life abundantly. So think about even today when you woke up. Did you wake up today just to endure today? To make it to tomorrow? Or did you have a view, and if you were here Sunday, you might, last Sunday, you might have a different view. Did you wake up and say, Lord, today... I want to make the most of this opportunity. Because I'm never going to get it back. So are you enduring or are you enthusiastic? Are you just enduring the 24 hours you're given? Or are you enthusiastic and embrace it as an opportunity from the Lord? Radical difference. Radical difference. Right? We saw, and you put it in your notes there, right? Chronos is one biblical term, right? Teach us to number our days in the fullness of time Jesus came, right? Chronos is seen, it's a biblical term, that time is linear. It's quantitative. Years, months, days, minutes, seconds. So in the Bible, there is chronos, where time is linear. Nothing wrong with that. It's not good versus evil. It's just, it is, chronos, right? So in our life, we, right now, are experiencing Kronos. We started at 9. It's now 10.10. 10. We are on the clock of Kronos. Chronological, chronology, chronicle. That's where we get all those words. Time is linear. It's quantitative. It just is. That, that, there's nothing good or bad. It just is. The challenge is that many of us, even as Christians, tend to live mostly in Kronos. We tend to live mostly in Kronos versus that other word you see there in your notes, kairos. Everyone say kairos. Kairos, right? Turn to Ephesians 5. You're going to go back. You're going to go left. Ephesians 5. This is another Greek word used in the New Testament where you see the word time. Okay? Kairos. 
Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, says this. Be very careful then how you live, the totality of your life. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, in some version, that's where it says making the most of every opportunity. It is redeeming the time. And that word time is kairos. Opportunity. It is qualitative. Qualitative, right? For instance, if I ask you, hey, Scott. How much Christmas did you have? Doesn't really make sense. We don't ask how, someone how much Christmas. We say, how was your Christmas? It's qualitative. You understand the difference? Right? If we're going to go visit, we go down and we visit my mom, right? For a day or 48 hours, right? It's a 48-hour window, but Kairos is making the most of that 48-hour window. It's not just enduring for 48 hours. Although some of you probably with your relatives, it's an endurance, right? All right. <laughs> it's more chronos, right? So, we live with both. We live in a chronos wor- world where time is linear, but to redeem the time is to make the most of every opportunity. Kairos. Everyone say kairos. So here's how you radically change Sunday mornings. I'm going to keep talking so that, so here's the thing. And that's just, that just happens. That's no big deal. All right. It's okay, love. Here's the thing. Most of us perceive this morning. Okay. Just, just understand this. Hey, what time does church start? Nine. What time does it end? Well, whenever he gets done. They started at 10.15, now 10.30, sometimes 10.40. Who knows, right? I mean, so, so. We can live even in church with chronos. There's a start time and an end time. What happens if you wake up in the morning on a Sunday and you say, Lord, Kairos. From 9 to 10.30 is Kairos. I want to make the most of this opportunity, Lord. I get a chance to worship corporately. I get a chance to hear the word. I get a chance to have free donuts and coffee. I get a chance to catch up with someone. I get a chance to pray with someone, maybe. I get a chance to hug someone, maybe. I get a chance to communicate compassion to somebody. I get a chance to serve. See? Suddenly, church radically changes because it's kairos. Amen? That's our whole life. When he says, make the most of every opportunity, that's not Sunday and Wednesday and Bible study. That is as you are living. As you are living. So, at Vaughn's, at your workplace, when you're around your friends, it's all kairos. If you're looking through that lens, if you're looking through that lens, how many of you have ever had one of those coincidences where you ran into someone somewhere and it turned into a wonderful discussion and you got caught up and maybe they started coming to church as a result? What was that? That was kairos. That was you making the most of that opportunity. And the challenging part in a Kronos society is that Kairos 
doesn't fit our schedules all the time. And kairos is inconvenient. And kairos might mean someone needs a ride somewhere. And kairos means you might have to sit and listen and... How many of you ever had one of these moments where you know you were supposed to be listening, but in the back of your head you had to get somewhere? Anyone? And you don't want to keep looking at your watch. Because you know they need you in that exact moment. Kairos is when the moment is right. Kairos is when you seize the opportunity and you're led by the Spirit and you're listening to God and, and, and you're just being an instrument of God in that Kairos moment. Amen? And that happens everywhere. Even slaves. And so we've been, we've been really encouraged to not just, I mean, not just be consumed with chronos, but to bring kairos into it. To make the most of every opportunity. Now, I've been in ministry long enough to know, and this, you know, this isn't to get heavy or anything, but I've been in ministry long enough to know that sometimes people here on Sunday, it was their last Sunday. I, I've had to work through that. We said goodbye and we had a great service together and we lovingly said, see you next week. And they just didn't come back. You know what I mean? And, and there's that moment where, where we have to. The Lord says, I love verse, Psalm 90, verse 12. Look at this over there. Psalm 90, verse 12. Look at this. Psalm 90, verse 12. So there's, there's, I love this verse because there's chronos and kairos in this verse. Look at this. Teach us to number our days aright. Chronos, right? Then it says this. That we may gain a heart of Wisdom. That brings in the kairos. Because what is wisdom? Look, I put a definition of wisdom in your notes there. Wisdom. The practical application of acquired knowledge. The ability to use knowledge for what? For correct behavior. That's wisdom. All right? James 1.22 says, don't just be hearers, be doers. So here's the thing, guys. If we're going to adorn the gospel, right? In your notes, cosmeo is related to cosmos, which is order. Versus chaos, which is disorder, right? To adorn the gospel is to bring your life, to bring my life with wisdom into order. Okay, what does that mean? Live a life that is consistent with who you are in Christ. To bring order into my life is to walk and live as a child of God. According to Scripture. It's that simple. It's not a bunch of to-dos and it's not a bunch of hand slaps to bring it into order. Well, what do I got to do to bring it into order? Oh, you mean... No. To bring it into order, to walk in wisdom, is to simply walk in your identity in Christ. Amen? That's it. Walk in your identity according to what Scripture says. Your life will be ordered and you will adorn the gospel. Right? Think about it now. If there's an error in your life as you sit here, you go, oh yeah, I get that. 
let's say uh, stewardship slash finances. Let's say, oh, gosh, Lord, yeah, I could, I could really adorn you better in my stewardship and, and finances, right? Okay. What's the first step? Understanding what Scripture says about stewardship and finances and bringing your life in order to Scripture. Amen? That's how you adorn it. It's not skipping Scripture and going right into all of these tasks and duties. If we're going to adorn the Gospel, if we're going to walk in wisdom, as Ephesians 5 says, walk as wise, not as unwise, it's as simple as learn what Scripture says and then walk in obedience. That's ordering your life. And as we do that, individually and collectively, you know what happens? Ornaments. The Gospel is attractive. Now, that's our desire, but you and I know we can't control people's reactions to the gospel, right? Some people may not, they're not going to like what we stand for and what we believe, but that's between them and the Lord. We can do our best in the power of the Spirit to make our lives attractive. That's it. To bring it into order. Teach us to number our days so that I can walk in wisdom. What is wisdom? Applying what Scripture says. <laughs> That's all it is. Make the most of every opportunity. Right? And then finally, in, in your notes there, it's interesting, there's another word, that we, uh, the new word of the week. It's pronounced noon, which means now. The present. Now. Right? First Peter 2.10. I'll just read it. You don't have to turn there because of time. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Noon is now. This very moment, this second, noon, now. Right? Second Corinthians 6, 1 and 2 says this. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, quote, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. Unquote. I tell you now. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Right now. Right now. This is the time. Right now. Noon. Now. For some of you, this might be your now. Right now. Now is the day of salvation. 2017, maybe the first thing you need to do is exercise noon. Now. Now is the day of salvation. Seal the deal. What prevents you? Now is the day of salvation. Put your faith in Christ now. Experience His amazing grace when? Now. Now. And then finally, 1 John 2, 28 says this. And now, dear children, continue in Him. Abide in Him. So that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him. That is coming. Now. So there's chronos, linear, quantitative. There's kairos. Right? Qualitative, making the most of every opportunity. And now there's noon. Now. So the question is, what's God calling you to do now? Some of you, and I was so blessed, some of you ex- exercised Kairos right when you left here last Sunday. I, I was just blown away. Just so happy. Some of you are actually saying the word Kairos in the fellowship hall. I'm like, they're talking Greek. It's amazing. Now, now, 
You want that abundant life? You want that spirit-filled life? You want that enthusiasm? Seek the Lord for now. What does He want you to do now, in the moment, in the power of the Spirit? If you live in the now, whoo! You ever be led by the Spirit in the now, and when it's all said and done, you're like, what just happened? I said things, and I reacted in ways that weren't me. Anyone? Why? Because you were so in the now that you were so reliant on the Spirit, you got out of the way. And you know what glorious thing is? I've been studying this, Kronos and Kairos and Noon. It helped me understand, potentially, potentially, my understanding, my own personal understanding of heaven and eternal life. Because growing up, even as a believer, how many of you potentially were saved and said, oh, heaven, eternal life, Amen. I've got to be honest with you. There was a part of me that used to think that was the world's longest church service. An eternal church service? That's what heaven is? Right? Anyone? If you're honest, is, is heaven just the longest church service? We're stuck in church forever. Oh my gosh. Because I was saying heaven is Kronos. Huh? Heaven was Kronos. That's a long service, Bill. Just a long service. Then Kairos and noon. You ever been in a moment, worship here corporately in your house, in the car, where you just got lost in the moment of worship and prayer? You were just in the now, and you didn't care, and you lost all sense of time, and then it just flew by. Anyone? Maybe that's Kairos in heaven. Where we are so in that window and making the most of it and so in the now that Kronos doesn't even factor in. Amen? I can get behind that. If, if, if heaven and, and a relationship and being in the presence of God is full Kairos and noon and I am so into it because He's there and we're worshiping and we're doing whatever and I don't care... I'm there. Let's go. I mean, this radical truth of the biblical view of time for me personally has radically changed even my own view of heaven. And I'm a pastor. It has created a joy and an enthusiasm because there are moments where we have all experienced the now with Jesus. These little windows of just, oh, this is so good. I wish this would never end. Lord, can I just stay here? Can I just stay right here? It's like one day you will. When you're in my presence and there is no sin and there is no sorrow and there is no... It's just going to be. Kairos is just being in the be, in the now. We just get to be. We just get to be. That's what he wants in a walk with him. Just walk with him and be. And the crazy thing is, He then uses you in the lives of others. And your life becomes so attractive. So attractive. And all you're doing is being who you are in Christ. You're just being who you are in Christ. And others are attracted to it. And you get to be used by Him for eternal purposes. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You. Thank you for Kairos. And even now, this moment, this noon, now is Kairos.
as we prepare for communion. Kairos. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Jesus, you say as often as we do this, to do this in remembrance of you. And so, Jesus, we do. We will hold two cups in our hands, symbolic of your broken body and shed blood, in remembrance of you. But, Jesus, I also remember your words to Philip in John 14. Philip said to you, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And, Jesus, you said, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And Jesus, that's, that's kind of the heart this morning. That whoever sees us, whoever watches our life, would see the Gospel. Whoever sees us would see you. Whoever sees us would see Jesus. That we would adorn the gospel, not just with our words, but with our lives. Just like you did in adorning your Father. And so we'll have a time of of reflection. We're going to distribute the the elements, two cups. Just a time of prayer and and, uh, seeking the Lord. And just, Lord, how can I adorn you? How can my life reflect you in the now? And then after everyone's been served and after a bit, we'll, we'll take communion together and we'll close in the song. Invite the band back up and just a moment, we're going to close with that wonderful song, This is Amazing Grace. I'm just going to sing the choruses. and Here's my encouragement to you. As you reflect on a biblical view of time, as you reflect on the motive, here's a wonderful truth. The Bible says, when you are saved, you are what? A new creation. So here's the glorious truth moving into 2017. However you have lived in the past, believer and unbeliever, however you have lived up until this very moment when you walk through the door, whatever you got here this morning, here's the glorious truth. When you leave here, you can redeem the time and be brand new. Amen? Amen. When you leave here, because we have been given everything we need for life and godliness, when you leave here, because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you can choose to redeem the time, live in the now, and be used by the Lord in your immediate circle, in your home, in your workplace, at Bonds, at Costco, in the fellowship hall, Right after this, when your eyes are open to Kairos and you live in the now, spirit-led and spirit-filled, there's joy. Amen? Amen. There's a joy and a freedom and that abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us. And now suddenly your life has meaning, significance, you're fulfilled. And the crazy thing is, you're just being you. You're just being who you are in Christ. Why? Because of His amazing grace. His amazing grace.